that time. So let's take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. They got it. On excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. 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 What's up, BSers? What's up, peeps? Fred, Scott, and Ryan in the studio, joined by special guest NFL player agent Jobeth Bowers. Good Appreciate you, you joining us, man. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. The third time is a charm. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I think we first tried to do this in the middle of March when I was I had a break between pro days and then we had the stay-at-home order. Then we were yeah. going to get it happening last week and then the hurricane hit. Over in Cecil County, and that yeah. was a, a non-starter, and here we are. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> First time, time we didn't we didn't know what we were getting into with this whole COVID thing, but uh, man, life has sure changed a lot. Can over you the last can six you months. remember that time when we thought COVID would only be two weeks? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a lot to talk about, a lot to cover on today's show. Uh, obviously, we've got our special guest Joe with Bowers. He's here to help us break down uh, a lot of things. He's going to be here with us through the whole show, but specifically, we're going to talk about. Uh, the CBA and kind of how that pertains to, you know, some of the NFL players out there uh, and also college football. Obviously, there's been a lot of breaking news with that. Yes. We're going to dive a lot into that. Uh, the Ravens did make some moves this week, some rather minor moves, but some some moves that have kind of created some ripples on social media. Yeah. So people are starting to like question, why did, why did they do this? So we're going to get into that. I'm, I'm excited to get your thoughts on, on this guy. Yeah. And then the Orioles continue to surprise. And surprisingly enough, it's been the pitching that's led the way so far. Yeah. The, the pitching has been on point. A few guys that we're going to get into that I think could, to your point earlier, I'll give you credit, mm-hmm. could wind up being some pretty good trade bait um, as long as they continue on the trajectory that they're on. That's right. Before we get into too much, we do want to remind you, if you've ever been injured at work or in an auto accident, not sure who to call, 855-MD-CRASH. The Maryland personal injury attorneys that will have your back. If you find yourself in an unfortunate situation, which I have, give our team at MD-CRASH a call right away. We all know the cost of medical bills, lost wages, and pain and suffering can all add up quickly and potentially put you in a bad financial place. If you want a team that will handle your case, big or small, and just give you some peace of mind, if you haven't done it by now, you better do it. Do it today, specifically today. Save this number now, 855-MD-CRASH. It's 855-632-7274. Be sure to follow them on Facebook for some fun giveaways, including gift cards to some local restaurants. All right, Scott, so we're changing things up a little bit this week. Obviously, we had to clean shit up. We got a special guest here, right? We had to make things look good. Uh, and because What happened to you? Yeah, right. No, I, you didn't I, clean I up shaved. I shaved before the show. I took a shower. Like I'm actually clean. I smell good. Uh, no, we've had a lot of things happen, uh, you know, <laughs> behind the scenes stuff, right? Scott and I do this outline every week for a show, and we usually have the I don't outline. know why. We might as well just throw it away every Tuesday. I know. <laughs> at, at, at this point, we might as well. Uh, so we've had this outline done for a couple of days, and then shit has just hit the fan over the last 24 to yeah. 48 hours, to say the least. There's been a lot of things that happened. But before we get into too much with all that, uh, I do a couple small things that I do want to address specifically that, you know, go towards the Ravens. Okay. Uh, first thing was they did make a couple of recent moves. And one of those moves that kind of, I guess, perked the ears uh, of, of some Ravens fans is they're bringing in another running back, kick returner specialist, and Kenyon Barner. Uh, what was your thoughts on this when you first heard the news? 
considering the depth that we have at the running back position and Harbaugh's recent comments about James Prochet. It, it's one of those things I look at it and say, I think he's probably more of a camp body than anything else. Exactly right. I think when, when you look at where he's, when he's coming in, he's a guy that didn't really produce heavily in Philly when he was there. Um, he, he can fill and help if somebody gets injured. Maybe he also helps. It, something happens during, during camp. We've seen that. Right. Knock on wood. That's the only reason he's there. Right. He's there until the last second that you've got to cut somebody. And he's the last cut kind of thing right. in my eyes, because he's the guy that if something happens, we'll hold on to this guy until. And then if it happens, we're, we're safe. If it right. doesn't. Sorry, bud. Yeah. Try elsewhere. Joe, I know you're obviously from the Baltimore area, you're from the Maryland area yourself. Are you a big Ravens fan. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. The Lamar shirt. See, see where my loyalties lie. Right. Uh, what was your first thoughts when you heard about this move? I mean, when it comes down to it, no matter how hot on on a guy you are pull your mic and learn a little closer. That's all. Success is rented and the rent is due every day. So having somebody there to kind of be on, you know, on your heels to keep you on the game. I mean, and here's the other thing. Prochet is a rookie just got drafted, right? Padded practices aren't starting until next week at the earliest. You never know what you got till you know what you got. And right. it, as you've seen over the years with the Ravens at, and, and really many teams at, you know, punt returns, kick returns, and otherwise, it is very, very much a what have you done for me lately position. And yeah. I mean, what did they do? How many, how many guys did they have at that position starting, so to speak, last season? Right. You know, kick returner, punt returner has been a, a, a position that we've been kind of spoiled out in, the, in years past, right? We've obviously had Jacoby Jones. We've had Jermaine Lewis. We've had some good returners in past. Not the past few years. Not past few years, struggles. right? The past few years, it's been struggles. And that's been a position that I've wanted them to kind of nail down, right? And one of the things that you absolutely can't do is you can't muff kicks as a kick returner or a punt returner. And this mm-hmm. guy had four last year. So I think to your point, that's all this is. So don't anybody worry about it. You know, this isn't a guy that's going to be a factor this coming year. This is yeah. literally just somebody to take reps, somebody to, to push Prochet a little bit. The one thing that we know about Prochet coming out of the draft was that he has very short hands and then he has experience returning the ball. So I think yeah. it's Prochet's job to lose at this point, but in the unfortunate situation that there's an injury, you've got to have a backup plan. And to, to Joe's point, I think you're also taking a flyer on anybody that you, anybody that you can, anybody that you think has the ability long-term or even short-term to make your team better. Right. You're taking a flyer on them. This guy was enough that they took the flyer. They saw enough in him in whatever, maybe videos they sent him. And now he's, he's a guy that they're saying, all right, we're going to give him a shot. Right. I mean, here's the other thing you've seen him on the field in NFL action. Yeah, right. The other option that teams have, other than picking up veterans, is guys off the street. It has been an entire hour, by the way, (laughs) that teams have been able to work out guys that are street-free agents. It just happened. It just got announced while we were sitting here prepping for the show. Right. And and like everything else, and and pretty much what this whole show is going to be, is it's an ever-changing landscape. Not every day, not every week, like every hour. Right. There's something (laughs) new, a new twist and turn. I mean... Yeah. Welcome to football today. <laughs> right. That's very true. So we're going to dive a little bit more into that in a bit as well. Another move that I guess had some Raven fans out there a little, uh, I guess, a little a little upset about 
was the Ravens released Jacob Breland. But as we talked about on last, last week's show, I know this guy's an undrafted free agent. I know he showed a lot of promise out at Oregon the first couple of weeks before his knee injury. The whole premise behind this move was to get him through waivers and then to stash him. Right. And that's what ultimately happened here was he did clear waivers and he will be stashed. So he is back with the Ravens uh, as of now. Right. Uh, so that's good. That gives us some depth there for next season at the tight end because I, I don't see him seeing the field this year. No, he's not. He's not, unless and I you all, we always say this and I always hate saying it. You always want to kill me when I say it. But barring from injuries. Yeah, right. You know, that's the type of situation, but he's a guy that he is, let's be real, he is, there's a reason that they did that, and it's because he's a project guy. Right. And they're willing to take the chance on the project if he can clear waivers, but if he didn't clear waivers, no harm, no foul. Right. Back to the kick return issue, didn't we draft a speed running back last year in Justice Hill? Has he ever gotten a chance at doing this? So Justice Hill had a little bit of work last year at at returning kicks. Um he didn't really show a whole lot, and and honestly, the, the little bit that I saw out of him in training camp didn't look real promising there either. Um, so the running back of the future is no longer Justice Hill with with Dobbins well, in the no, mold. I, yeah, Dobbins, so, Dobbins took that role the minute. So that he was if we drafted. need to find a role for him, we need to push him and let him try that a little more. He's going to end up somewhere else. I think ultimately, what's going to happen with the running back group is. Mark Ingram eventually is going to work his way out just based on his age, right? He think he's got one more year left on his contract. Mm-hmm. And then you got Gus Edwards, who's chomping at the bit to get a starting role somewhere. You're going to have a team like Washington, who just lost a player due to domestic violence, who was a high draft pick running back, who's going to need a running back. Maybe a guy like Gus Edwards becomes available to a trade. Was Darius Geis actually on that team? Because I don't think you ever... <laughs> Took yeah. a snap. Yeah, I think he's got. A, I think he's hits. got a jersey and a couple pictures, but I think that's yeah. about it as yeah. far as the Redskins go. Uh, but last move that I wanted to cover was, I guess the the game changer, at least on Twitter, right? Because uh, our buddy Garnett and I kind of got back and went back and forth on this for a little bit on Twitter. He's a big Bronson Bronson Rexsteiner fan. Right, and I think everybody was when you saw his tape. You saw the hype video, but his his father was a WWE superstar, right? WWF superstar back in the day. The kid, (laughs) the kid is built like an absolute tank, and he was running a four four forty, running through guys. Now, like I said to 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 Garnett, you got to remember this was against far inferior opponents than the NFL. This is a small, small college. Let's let's to your point with the whole video, right? It was a hype video. That I'm, exactly. It's highlights. Right. I'm pretty sure that that video, somebody that either does or has worked for yeah. WWF, WWE, helped Steiner out with that. Right. Like, it was it was very well done. I give them credit. But it's real easy to look at a guy's highlights when that's all you see. I do, thi- I do think that this kid can be an effective, ty- or an effective fullback in the NFL. But Just we have a, with this team right now. We, we don't have a spot to give him. We've got a Pro Bowl fullback in Pat Ricard, and I think people are just easy to forget that. Jobeth, I know, like you said, you're a Ravens fan and whatnot. Did you have any expectations of this kid, Bronson, making the roster? Did you actually think he had a shot? I mean, when you look at the fullback position in general, it's not dead, but some think it's dying in the league. Obviously, the Ravens are a team that utilize it. And I'll tell you right now, though, on, on the topic of the fullback, if you look at every team that made the playoffs last year, and how many of those utilize the fullback? It's a pretty high percentage. But when you've got a guy at a roster position that's taking up one roster spot but playing two sides of the ball in two positions and doing so effectively, right? you kind of got the job. Right. Um, yeah. 
So again, it's it's bringing a guy into camp. It's bringing a guy in to kick the tires. Now, you know, under the the modified CBA, they've got different tricky little ways to hide guys if they want them for the future. Um, you know, there's certainly options there. There's a lot more flexibility with everything that's going on for these teams to kind of tuck a, a number of players away here and there, stuff that they didn't have in the past. Right, right. You want to talk about spoiled fullback? We've been spoiled at. Always, yeah. I mean, we've had fullbacks play in our starting running back position. We've had fullbacks, yeah. you know, that are pro bowlers outside of that. We're always spoiled at that position. Well, to your point, Joe, but I don't think that the the fullback position is necessarily going away. I just think it's evolving. They're becoming more athletic. They're coming more involved in the passing game. Like these Kyle Yushek, for for yep. instance, signed a huge deal with San Francisco, and this guy, I mean, he's a Pro Bowl fullback, but he's not what we think. He's not a Lorenzo Neal. He's not a big boulder blocker, you know, well, that we think of as a typical fullback. Think about Pat Ricard, right? Right. Pat Ricard, we were asking to play fullback. He's more so moved to the defense, but why did that happen? Right. Because the Ravens were able to make the three tight end set work. Right. And that's why that that's the evolution of it is you're seeing that kind of that kind of step up. So Steven's point on Facebook, he says, What if what is Patrick gets sick? We need a second fullback. Go look through rosters, fifty-three man rosters, and tell me and find me teams that carry two fullbacks. It just doesn't happen because it's not a position uh, that you know many teams value to have that kind of depth. They'd rather have that depth, that extra spot for offensive line, defensive line, cornerback positions that you know typically you see a lot of injuries and, happen. And from. they plan like there's if you don't think there's a guy that they haven't played that scenario with in their head. That's currently on the roster, or maybe he was on the roster last year. What if Pat Ricard went down last year? What were you going to do? They have a plan. Right. There is somebody that can fill in and can do it. They're just not going to openly tell you who that is. Right. That's true. That's true. So the other thing I want to get your opinion on, Joe, if it's being that we're kind of on this topic now, uh, the undrafted guys. What are you seeing so far? Obviously, as a player's agent, you represent a lot of undrafted guys, a lot of undrafted free agents. What are you seeing with these guys uh, getting opportunities, guys that normally would get shots? I know there was a lot of things that happened literally 20 minutes before we go live, and that's going to change your whole world and their world. Uh, how do you think that impacts them? Yeah, I mean, the phone's already blowing up as we sat here <laughs> with, um, you know, th this whole past season and, you know, the end of the college season up until leading to the draft – everything got turned upside down. Right. And, you know, a lot of the the listeners or watchers here probably aren't intimately aware of the process. But right. part of that process is the their, the collegiate schools, the NCAA schools, will host what's called a pro day. Right. It's basically like a combine for their players and sometimes players within that state. So, right. like, Alabama might host other smaller schools within the state of Alabama there. but. Right. The NFL teams come in, they do all the drills, they do basically what you see at the Combine. There are little twists and turns that are different from school to school, but it's an opportunity to evaluate, get numbers, 40, the, the cone drills, the shuttle, and everything down. All of that stuff stopped. So right. throughout the league, there are guys that basically got drafted on film only, which is fine, Right. but there are guys that didn't get shots that maybe would have guys that didn't have that opportunity to move their stock up. But the other thing that we've missed in this process is that last month we would have normally under regular times had rookie mini camps, right? Three, yeah. three day opportunity for teams to bring in a number of players, no contract. We're going to run through these drills. Every team has a set number of, of positions that they're looking for. 
but they might bring in 25 guys to find one. Right. They might bring in 10 guys to find three. Every team kind of runs that differently, but none of that stuff happened. So guys got picked up as undrafted free agents, and all of that happens. Most of the undrafted free agents that get signed get signed literally within hours of the draft. We're right. sitting there in the seventh round taking calls on our guys from different teams, text messages from guys, hey, yeah. you're going to be the next. It's basically just Ray an Lewis. extension of the draft, essentially, there, at that there, point. There is a, a quasi-silent eighth round of the draft that right. is not formal. It is a free-for-all, and it is basically a, hey, what are you going to give my guy? How much? What's the signing bonus? What is going to be the guarantee? We're looking at the death chart to say, hey, does this guy have a chance to make this team? Things like that. So right. those guys, and basically the teams will have however many it takes to fill up to 90 than the 90 man roster. What was the 90 right, yeah. man roster? Correct. We've now <laughs> condensed that by 10. We, we've in, in the, the modified CBA, we've cut that down to 10 guys. And we've also increased the practice squad spots to 16. So if right. you take the 53 and the 16 and do that quick math in your head, there's really only well, 69. Yeah, 11 so. guys that are gone. Right. So what you see showing up every day, only 11 guys are going home into that quasi limbo until in this year, I mean, we're going to see, I believe between COVID and people getting and having to go on the shelf for two weeks in quarantine between guys that quite frankly are just, they, they sat on the couch and played Madden instead (laughs) of spent time in the gym, getting ready to be featured on Madden and Uh, Daylon Mac, anybody. (laughs) And, and and look, I don't want to get into the opinion about where some of these guys (laughs) And why they opted out, right. but I, I I've got some theories about certain ones. Some of them might be former Ravens players, right? Um, but I think that this year, if there's a full 16 game season, we are probably going to see in the raw number of transactions such a higher number of transactions because of all of that variety of reasons than we've ever seen in a in a 16 game season in the past. Right. So you know, between injuries and guys just not being prepped, because again, we are what. Four weeks. We are. We are literally. Today is the eleventh. So yeah, we, we this are, Friday would have been the first preseason game. Right. We, we are a, and we have not had a padded practice yet. Right. So we are a month minus a day from the first Thursday night regular season only season game. Right. And we haven't suited up in pads yet. So are you saying, or do you think that maybe if these guys, these undrafted free agents that are out there that had NFL dreams, maybe they don't get the shot right away, but it's going to be the survival of the fittest with those guys that when an opportunity does open itself up for a team because of injuries, because like we talked about for the last yeah. couple of weeks, we're probably going to see a lot more soft tissue injuries than we've ever seen in years past with veterans, like you said, that haven't been taking it seriously, that have been spending time with their family, that haven't been you know, staying in shape. Do you think these guys will eventually get the shot? It's just going to be a look a little different than what you know a typical year would look like. Oh, it's going to look a lot different. But yeah. yes, I think that there are going to with with guys flowing through. I think that and we told guys this as it was coming to a head and the days after the draft. Guys that did not get drafted to get the call. Then it, it's we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know when you know because in that point in time. Teams weren't allowed to travel. They weren't allowed to send scouts places. Hence the pro days all getting halted. Obviously, they couldn't have guys in until an hour and a half ago. So anybody that they hadn't seen before, they haven't been able to see until now. But I don't know because it just popped up on Twitter and I got, you know, 15 text messages and DMs about it. (laughs) Right. We don't know what that procedure is going to be. So normally, let's rewind a year to last season. Hey, we need a guy 
there's a guy, hey, I get a call Sunday night, Monday. Is your guy in shape? Is he ready to go? Get him on a plane. Let's go. So right. he's, he's doing a workout for a team on Tuesday. Well, that doesn't fly. Right. You can't just show up now. You've right, got to yeah. go into a protocol. You've got to quarantine. You've got to pass X number of tests. And again, right. I'm, they're, they're probably going to have a very specific regimented procedure for bringing these free agent guys in, which obviously sitting here, I haven't seen it yet. I don't know if I've gotten an email from the PA. <laughs> well, Any time and now it's going to happen. Right. But it's going to be a process. It's not going to be a come in Monday night. Work, work out, out and Tuesday, sign your contract. And either sign a contract or go home. Right. Yeah. Like I think it used to be. My only thing with that, right? So I don't think it's going to, it's, in my opinion, it's not going to be up to the NFL because the NFL didn't make the decision when it came to the, the players themselves. It, it was down to the teams needing to submit those uh, uh, protocols, right. right? And they had to be approved by the NFL and then had to be approved by the NFLPA. So now you have 32 teams that could do things differently, which creates problems and creates issues. And I guess as, as a player's agent, is that something that goes through you and your player's mind when you're saying, okay, maybe this team's got a really lax, lax way of doing yeah. doing things, and this team is really strict with it? I mean, how do you think that's going to play if that if it is left up to the teams? I know that that you know there have been questions, and obviously we'll get to issues that weren't able to be addressed, and why some of the college seasons are postponing, and perhaps most of them, or if not all of them, will. But right, I can tell you right now that. Even the most lax of these protocols and plans are more than you're seeing here day to day. The resources yeah. that the leagues ha- the league has and the teams have and everything like that, they're tremendous compared to everything else. Right. And if you compare this, um, you know, one of the things that everybody's talking about is, oh, there's, you know, there's going to be all this contact and there's going to be this and this thing is just going to go down in flames. But Look at the MLB, which a lot of people will want to say, look at the MLB, look at all these outbreaks, but look at the source of the outbreaks in the right. MLB. Yeah, right. They have not been, you know, when the Marlins had the big outbreak, it was because they were all out at the club or whatnot. Exactly. Yeah, club in Atlanta. The, the, the <laughs> Phillies did not have outbreaks right. in that series that yeah. they were playing them. So we're not seeing a lot of contact transfer between one team to the next. Now, I know we're talking about football and baseball are a little, a little different social yeah. distance sport. Like right. if you said, Hey, make us a game that complies with social distance. That maybe badminton. You, you've got, yeah, there's two. So don't touch my shuttlecock. Right. Fred's <laughs> a but secret he, badminton fan. There doesn't know this I'm really good at badminton. But with the NFL, I mean, they've got these mm. face shields that they've got, yeah, you know, put yeah. together they're, they're They are, they have the resources and, they're utilizing the resources because they know at the end of the day that this 11, 12, and growing billion with a B right. dollar a year business, yeah. their players are their product. 100%. And of, of the four major leagues that exist, when it comes to the, the balance between you know, who has all the power between the players association right. and, and the, the owners – this is the league that the players have the strongest pull in being able to say, hey, this is this is how it's going to be. Right. Yeah. Ryan? They haven't really been publishing the pro numbers all that much that I've seen, but the college numbers, the Terps came in, they had like a 4.5% uh, COVID positive rate. Right. And then nothing. Yeah. They've had like 17 tests with so zero players. S- save that because I've got a good point with that <laughs> later it, that we're going to talk a little bit also about. Also with the content yeah, of the, that's, the pros. Yeah, 100% agree. So... <laughs> One of the other things that we talked about uh, 
last week was how good the potential of this wide receiver core could be. Oh, yeah. Right? And this week, we finally got a sneak peek uh, of Lamar in his new look with his visor and everything, (laughs) looking good, looking sexy. I like it, Lamar. Uh, But he's out there throwing the ball around to his new targets. Keep it in your pants, Fred. I'm trying. Keep it in your pants, guys. It's hard. It's hard. Uh, Literally. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Set it up. Ding. Devin Duvernay and James Prochet uh, were out there on the field. What was your take on just, I know, again, it's highlights, right? We just talked about Bronson and his highlight reel. But what was your first opinion on that little two-minute video they put together? They were highlights in that, yeah. and Bronson was in the background. That was what I took away. Uh, <laughs> but no, I think I think from what I saw, uh, Lamar was throwing a, a pretty decent ball. Yeah. Right? It wasn't, were they perfect spirals? No. I'll but tell you I'm, what, it was 100% better than it was last year. Exactly. And looked they were, a lot cleaner coming out of his hand. His footwork looked better. The, the way he shifts his weight accuracy. through the ball. The accuracy looked it, better. It yeah. looked good. I saw a few downfield throws that they, that they showed yeah. uh, that looked good. Prochet and Duvernay going, both going up and getting the ball. Uh, I saw one where uh, Duvernay high-pointed the ball really yeah. well. Uh, Prochet using the speed that we, that we know he has to get downfield and grab a ball not at full extension laid out, but full extension and in running speed, and still you know comes up with it. Yeah. Obviously, the other the other thing that factors in here, right? And I'm I'm trying to be realistic with this. Mm-hmm. We didn't see highlights with a defense, right? These are just them. This is just playing catch, throwing basically. the ball around, running routes. It's right. All it, it, it's playing catch. It, it's what you do to to kind of make sure you're starting to prepare and get on the same page, which we know that they already are. Right. And so it just it was nice to see it in the Ravens uniform. And be able to say, okay, these guys are their their heads aren't inflated yet, right? right? They they aren't in this zone of you know I'm in the NFL because you you get some of these guys that come in and they go, all right, I'm in the NFL, I made it, right? You haven't made it yet, boss. You, you know you got to you still got to prove yourself. How many guys have we seen flare out in the first year? Yeah, it, it's happened many times for the Ravens, especially I, wide receiver. I'll tell you this: in my first impressions, again, it was a two-minute clip and it was highlights. I get that. Yeah. Uh, but a couple things that I noticed was they came out of their routes clean, which is important to me. Uh, the second thing is obviously we know we've got a history of wide receivers not having good hands, right? <laughs> and these two guys notably had some of the best hands in college football, and you could see that they use their hands to catch the football. They're not allowing they the receive the football. They're they not allowing the ball to come to yeah. their body. They're using their hands away yeah. from their body to catch the ball. They've got soft hands. It just Again, very, very small sample size, but what I like so far, or what I've seen so far, I really like. Uh, the other guy we got a chance to look at finally and kind of saw him in comparison to some other guys, the guy that's been all over social media doing his workouts and everything, Hollywood Brown. That 20 pounds of muscle, dude, he looks like a totally different guy. Totally he, different player. Even just sitting there in the interview that they did with him, yeah, with, with the media. Just sitting there, he looks different. You can see the muscle, yeah. and it's not like you know. It, a lot of people are worried it's it's bulk. It's it's the right, right. bulk. It's a healthy weight, it's exactly. A healthy bulk. And he he looks good. And the media asked him about the weight and the speed, and he you know one of the questions that I thought was interesting that kind of it made me scratch my head a little bit was they asked you know how are you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling great. I'm feeling like I used to. And then when they asked him a question, are you? Are you as fast as you were in college? He said, nah, I ain't there yet. That means he's got work to do. That's good. I like that. He's got the work ethic. That's what I like about this kid. Him and Lamar both. Like they we talked about Flacco for years being the nine to five or not putting in the extra work. We see that with these guys. But I didn't you didn't let me finish on it. (laughs) I, I let you go. But the other side to that was 
he made the statement that I was 175 in college. Yeah. He's 180 right now. He wasn't 175. He, he was 155 in They college. said 175. Really? He said okay. he was playing at 175 in college during the interview. Okay. Um, so if that maybe he was playing at 155. I could have swore he was at like 155 or 165. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, 157. 157. 157. Okay. Was, he, his, was his draft weight. Was his draft weight. Okay. So That was post-injury, so he could have lost some right, yeah, at that, that point. We'll, that's true. We'll go, we can go back and look that up and find out Either what it way, is. Either way, but, but for, for what I heard out of him was he was – and his first run, his first timed run at camp was as fast as he was at All any last point yeah. last year yeah. uh, in his first run. And he said he wasn't giving it 100%. Yeah, I mean, he I, wasn't going 100%. I think it's going to be it's going to be nice to see him, you know, really get back and really, really get in the fray. And I haven't seen it yet, but I'm waiting for Nick to chime in because he was asked about AB. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, AB, him, he, he was asked, would AB be a good fit? And he says... Now, obviously, it's his cousin. He says he thinks AB would be a fit in the locker room. Yeah, so does Lamar. Lamar thinks right. that he'd be a good fit too. Um, yeah, I've got my own opinions on that. I've I've made that pretty clear about how I feel. I think I think people are undervaluing what this wide receiver core could do this year. Even at, even with a bunch of question marks and a bunch of rookies, I think we're going to get better production out of Hollywood. We're going to get better production. We need to get better production out of Boykin this year. Uh, and then having a guy like Duvernay work in the slot there on yeah. a rotation with Willie Sneed, I think the sky's the limit for this offense. What what have you seen, Joe, but so far with the way the, the Ravens wide receiver core? Are you excited about what you've seen? Or? Well, first and foremost, I want to thank you for throwing the first stone so I didn't have to. When is the <laughs> last time the Ravens have had their quarterback work out his wide receiver core right. in, in the offseason? Oh, yeah. Exactly. So thank you for taking that. <laughs> no problem. Because um, I was ready to throw it. But the other, We don't throw stones. We throw bricks. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, lead the way. All right? Be, be, be my fullback going right through <laughs> there right, to yeah. this Traditional point. Traditional so, you You've got... A core that, I mean, the Ravens did what they did, and they did something that nobody else did last season. And to be able to just throw more and more wrinkles in, you know, I know there's no defenses, I know there's no pads, but when it comes to working with your receivers, it's a timing game. Right. And that's what's that's getting worked true. on. That's what we never saw in the past. That's why the only receivers that had success with number five were veterans that came in, because they knew where they needed to be. They knew what they needed to do. They figured it out. I mean, guys, like, like, like go back to Derek Mason. That dude, yeah. just, that dude yeah. just made it happen. Like, 100%. there are so many balls that would have gone the other way if they weren't thrown to Mace. Right. He fixed it. He cleaned it up. But, I mean, you've got a guy in Hollywood Brown that now has two good wheels on him, yeah. presumably. You right. did not see him at 100% last nah, year. Yeah, they took the screws out of the tire. Plus, Drew, Drew did chime in. He said he was 175 at Oklahoma, 157 for last season. But I will say this. So even if he was at 175 at Oklahoma, that 175 is totally different now than it was. Oh, yeah, then. definitely. The yeah. weight is different now, body fat-wise. And, and we may have talked about this sometime last year, either before a game or at halftime or something like that. My tickets at the Ravens Stadium are, are basically right right down on the field near about the 15-yard line. And I need to upgrade. Just, just watching <laughs> what was happening from a player in Hollywood Brown, stuff that you would not have seen on TV because they, they cut when they need to cut in and everything like that. Right. A guy who missed training camp, he didn't always seem to know before the snap where he needed to be. Yeah. Now, when, he was on, when, when it mattered, right. he got where he needed to go. Right. But if you take and make that guy healthy – 
right. give that guy a full camp. Yep. A, a, a guy that is known to be productive, and we saw him not at 100% be... Be very effective. Very, yeah. very effective. <laughs> yeah. There's a can of worms here that's about to get opened, I think. I 100% agree with you. <laughs> I'm super excited about this wide receiver core. I, like I said, I think... The athleticism, the speed, we talk, Ryan and I talk about this all the time, that the Ravens are building a track team at this point. Yeah, and the other thing that, that goes unsaid, right, a lot of people are looking in there, the, the question behind this is it's three young guys and an old guy in the room who's 28, 29 yeah. in, yeah. in Willie Sneed, but a guy that played under a future, a no-doubt Slam dunk future Hall of Famer, Drew Brees. And Drew Brees, yeah, right, right. So he brings, and he was asked about that, and he he basically said, "I I learned a lot from a lot of different guys, and that's kind of what I'm doing for these guys. I'm explaining to them, and we need to make sure we're doing this. We need to make sure we're doing this. So exactly what we're hearing is happening is what I was saying months ago. I expect Willie Sneed to produce in the role of mentor, right." And help these guys through this. And if you got to sit somebody down, sit somebody, sit somebody down. Let Willie go out there and show him how it's done. And then Willie's going to come back on, off the bench or on the bench and say, "Look, here's why it worked for me and didn't work for you." That's the type of player that Willie Sneed is, and it's going to work. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. Uh, so let's move on a little bit. Let's get back to uh, what we talked a little bit about last week. Uh, we kind of hinted this with Jobeth coming on the show. We figured he'd be able to give us some insight into this. Uh, and that's all the COVID amendments out there for the NFL that were announced last week. Uh, and there was one that kind of stood out to me that brought some questions. And maybe you can kind of help me understand this a little bit better. Apparently, there's going to be a $50,000 fine for players that refuse a test. Now, I don't understand why how, you're giving the option to refuse a test. Yeah, for one, why why are they even giving a player an option to refuse a test? And if they are, why is it a fine of fifty thousand dollars? That means that they can still go out there and put everybody else at risk by paying a fine. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't think we're ever going to see that instituted. It, it what what you're dealing with when it comes to the CBA or modifications to the CBA is like any good contract. Mm -hmm we've got to foresee all of the situations that are going to happen. And when it comes to other protocols that require testing, such as substance abuse or, or otherwise, there are drawbacks and there are automatic entry into the protocol and things of that nature for guys who refuse tests, who aren't available within the time frame to take those tests or otherwise. It's, it's literally not going, we're not going to see, and I can't think of, of who it was off the, I think was it, was it beast mode? No, it was somebody else, I think, on Seattle last year that kept tweeting about, they're testing me, and then they're testing me again, and they're testing me again. They're, oh, no, uh, no, it was Cam it was Chancellor. Chancellor. Yeah. Right. Cam Chancellor two years ago. You're, you're, you're not seeing that because this is, this is a totally different thing. The guys that did not want to subject themselves to whether it be the testing, whether it be the risk, whether it be... I didn't show up in shape for camp or whatever it is. <laughs> right. Those guys opted out last week. What, whatever yeah. their reason was, and it was a no questions asked opt out unless they wanted the, hey, I'm at high risk. I have this preexisting condition, so give me the 350 instead of the 150. Those guys had their shot. It, it's there. Right. It, it's, it's a provision that's you know protective. It's kind of a, hey, 
if we're going to do all of this stuff, we need to know that it's going to happen. Um, with any contract, you, you just you just kind of go through and you see all of the the potential pitfalls. Ryan, was there possibly a max number for a fused test in the past? Test that didn't mean as much, like a a, dr- a drug abuse screen. That was there a max number built in to the original CBA that they couldn't go above, possibly? Because I think this number would be higher if this was specifically written for COVID. You mean for refused tests? Yeah, yeah. zero. I mean, you the, the protocols in, for the the substance abuse policy would would be number one. If you went anywhere in the season, off season, or otherwise, if you were under contract and you went, you know, it's it's um, you know, it, it's mid February. Nothing's happening. The Super Bowl's over. You're going with your family down to the Bahamas. If I'm your agent, I know where you are. The team knows where you are. Right. The league knows where you are because at any point in time, they can pick up the phone and say, hey, random test. We're coming to test you. Now, you don't have to, you know, get out of bed and get on a plane and come back here. The, the guy They'll from come the you. PA comes to you. And, and <laughs> the depending flies on. The Bahamas. I like they, it. they totally do. They, they, <laughs> okay. they, they will Ryan come just found to, his new job. They, <laughs> yeah. they, will, they will come to where the player is, which is why you need to tell them. And depending on whether it, you know, you've got a strict window of time of that, that piss better be in that cup within, right. depending on what time of the season it is, you know, 12 hours, 24 hours, or whatnot. So right. the, zero is the number of refused tests that were permissible under the substance abuse policy. I got a medical so, background, NFL. If you're hiring, I'm totally taking that job. <laughs> I, so, <laughs> because we're, we're kind of down that road of the substance abuse, there was one thing that, that I, I thought was interesting with the substance abuse, and that was the fact that under the new CBA policy on substance abuse, players are no can no longer be suspended for positive drug tests but can in, incur fines. The the particulars on that, and there are a lot of things that changed that, that changed a lot with under the new CBA. So we're talking about the new CBA that was ratified right after the combine, not the COVID modifications. The amendment, the, the, right. the new CBA, right. not the amendment. They 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 did so much for so many things to basically. I don't want to say that they have made it so that marijuana use is permissible because they certainly would not authorize the violation of federal law. Right. But, but as we are seeing in certain states, there are, are various different rules. The testing window for things like marijuana shrunk. Yeah. It's like 10 days. And I don't know, gotcha. I, I did not look into that particularly to see if that has changed within the, the, you know, the date range on that, because obviously everything with training camp has changed, but it's at the beginning of the season and that is it. Right. There are no more, there will be no more tests throughout the season on things like, like marijuana. And, right. And they test and only look at certain things. So, you know, a lot of that stuff, I don't want to say it's loosened up because obviously they're still looking for PEDs. That's, that's really what they, they they want to to look out for. I mean, right. the, the league is, there are 32 teams out there and love it or not. It's not about the rules being fair to you. And it's not necessarily about the rules being fair to, you know, a player or a potential player or a former player, as much as it is that team number one and team number 16 and team number 31 all have a level playing field. Right. So the same things being tested on, the same advantages, so to speak, are not, you know, they're controlled. Right. Okay. 
Well, that, that kind of leads me into the next point of topic, and this is going to be the the breaking news, the big story, really, of the last like 48 the hours. Hole. It's been this back and forth. They canceled it. No, they didn't. They just did. It's been this whole back and forth jumbled mess. Uh, but college football, uh, specifically the Big Ten, the Pac-12, uh, came out today and yeah. officially announced that they are going to be canceling fall football, fall sports. Somebody um, get Ryan some tissues. I just stopped crying 10 minutes ago. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and sorry. like you said, why? So they let it go. Somebody leaked the story and the vote yesterday. Why did they have to come out and say, that's not true. We haven't made an announcement. I, just to give me that 1% hope that there like, is a new vote happening. I there was a new vote. It, like Eight hours later, they're like, yeah, we're canceling. Just I, kidding. I really thought that they got together. They had this meeting and they were like, hey, you know what? Go ahead and run with the story as if we're going to cancel it. And let's see, see the response. Let's see the response. Which was it, overwhelmingly negative. Was Exactly. <laughs> overwhelmingly negative. And I thought, man, maybe the, the, you know, Big right. Ten's going to reconsider this. They're going to figure we it out. We need to rethink this. So we just lost nope. three commits. Nope. No. Uh, 3 p.m. today, they confirmed. Yeah. Big, uh, Big Ten. Now, here's the thing. Big Ten, Pac-12. I think the MAC. MAC was the first one Mac, to do it. MAC was the first one to do it. Kind of led the way there. Um, Scotch is knocked on something, though. Let me tell you, if by some chance the SEC plays this year, the decommitments are going to so rain from hang, everyone else. Hang yeah. on a second. That's that's kind of part of where I was going with this whole thing. So the SEC and the ACC are still fighting to play this year. They still want to play football. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. I, I, I got a feeling that, and I said this before, that I didn't think there was going to be college football at all this year. I don't know that the ACC did, but I... I pretty swore, pretty sure I remember hearing the SEC saying that they were going to play all in conference games. Right. So it really is well, at this point their decision. What's happening now is you're getting teams that are frustrated in the Big Ten and the ACC that are wanting to jump to other conferences to be able to play right. football this year. Uh, start off easy, Jobeth. Should there be college football this year at all? That, that, <laughs> it's not easy. How is that the, the yeah, softball? That's the softball. I mean, start off easy. Yeah, so, right. um, <laughs> predict the future. Let, let me, Should there be? Predict the future, I can do better than answer that okay. question. All right. Because All right. what this is going to create, what this is creating, what this has created, number one, we're about to see the NFL's hand get forced the way that it wasn't forced back in February and in April with, are we going to move the draft? Right. The CBA, currently as it is, requires them to hold the draft prior to, I think it's June 2nd. It's sometime in June. So right. there is a period of time at which they could push it back. But if you think about that, that's a little more than a month. We're going to go from the end of April, if we were going to push it as far back as we can, to the beginning of June. So right. one full month and a few, and maybe a week. So it's not a huge pushback. Um, You've got teams now where I mean let's let's look at this. When is when 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 is the Big Ten going to play? I mean, well, supposedly they're tr they're trying to do this in the spring, which is going to be another one of my questions. Is spring is like you said when players are usually getting themselves prepared for the NFL and making the next step. Yeah, I just I, I just don't see it's so, going to create such a. To our title's point here, it's going to create a clusterfuck. Log jam. Yeah. <laughs> Log jam. <laughs> so, I mean, the schedule is this. This is what the schedule is for a, a college player who has declared for the draft, okay? Yeah. FBS school 
if his team has a bowl game, it's going to be sometime in early January, maybe late December. There's a couple of those that were then. Then he is, has probably been invited to an all-star game, whether it be the Senior Bowl, East-West Shrine Bowl, um, NFLPA Bowl, various other ones that, that exist. Um, they're from early January through, uh, what was that, the third week, I believe, of January was the Senior Bowl. Right. Then they are training for either the Combine or their Pro Day. And this is not, I mean, you guys, you know, we... we the NFL has done away with two days in right. training camp and things like that. Like it's it, it, training for the combine or your pro day is like a two a day, all day, every day for eight to 10 weeks. And if you're a combine invite or you are getting prepared for your pro day, which is supposed to happen either combine that, that last week in February or most of the month of March in normal years. And the first week of April, there, there are a couple of them, like LSU's was supposed to be, I think, April 4th or something like that, which was right. supposed to be the, the last one of it. Well, that's probably around the time in which we're talking about the spring season, so to speak, that Pac-12, Big Ten, the MAC, Mountain West, all the these two schools that have announced already are pushing to. Right, yeah. Yeah. Log jam. Right. It creates well, a log jam. And Mark Mark Bailey uh, yeah, you hit, on you Twitter hit on. brings up a great point. He says they can't play in the spring. How do you expect them to play 24 games in 12 months? You know, if they push it back and then the next season starts as it would in the fall, that's exactly what would happen. Is you're, you're literally going to give these guys three months off. Exactly. That's like, that just seems so unrealistic to me. James, I know you got a point. What's going yeah. on? <clears throat> I also uh, heard today that James Franklin, from the head coach of Penn State, is trying to get – some kind of games going in in like a bubble. They you know players just come in, they stay like in a bubble f- facility and they just play some games. I don't know if it's meaningless, yeah. But to get some work in, maybe you know show some footage. I don't know, but he's trying to work something out. Here's yeah, the, here's who James Franklin is, and nobody cares. Here's <laughs> here, here's the other thing that's kind of going they around your with ass this. last year. <laughs> They definitely did. Yeah, they that, was, did. that was embarrassing. <laughs> He's uh, a terrible person. Yeah. So the other, the other, I guess, big story out of this, right, is if they're going to cancel this season, what, what does that mean for you know the all the players that are gonna? I don't know. Man, well, my, my here's you're gonna see. You're gonna see a ton of kids. I, I think I know where you're going with this. You're gonna see a ton of kids that are that could have been guys that would have. Potentially gone in the draft, maybe been a sixth, seventh rounder, fifth rounder, even is a stretch on a few of them. And some guys that could have had a legitimate shot at being an undrafted free agent. You're going to have to for football, especially you are the NCAA is going to have to reconsider yet another year of eligibility for these players in order to make it worth worthwhile and make it. Fair in a Jake sense. funks me thirty five playing for Maryland <laughs> yeah. every year. You're not sure. Well, so the other point to that is you got players that obviously are very very upset uh, and they've they've lashed out on social oh, media. Yeah. They they all want to play, right? You've got people. You do not have some. You got yeah, some players like, on the well, other side of the fence, but, but it seems like the vast majority wanted to play but, this year. But put yourself in their shoes. I mean these these kids and and Joe, with you you probably worked with guys coming out of college like this. These guys are literally playing for their lives and for their livelihood. And if you're not going to give them that shot, especially if I'm a senior, 
I'm gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself because now if I play next year, I'm, and I had a great year last year, mm-hmm. and I play next year, if there's no season this year, I'm taking a huge risk that my draft stock falls. But right. then on the flip side, you got all these other guys that could say, well. I don't want to go into the draft this year. I thought I was going to be a fifth or a sixth, maybe seventh rounder or an undrafted guy that had a shot. Now I'm going to stay another year and see if I can't pump up my draft stock. I mean, these guys fall into a bunch of different categories, but if you've got a player in one of these conferences that has deferred, canceled, or otherwise, well, let's let's talk about the ones that have deferred to the, the spring. Yeah. Theoretically. Right. Any player that has a draft grade, like a legit, from a scout, from the Blesto service or otherwise, a legit draft grade, you have quasi-opted him out. Right. He is not playing in the spring because of the schedule we just described. Right. Exactly. We know that even if the NFL bends and moves, they can only move so much. So right. these guys are not playing in the spring. They're prepping for whether, it be, you know, we ended up having to, in states where we could do it, host private pro days on fields where we would hire non-NFL scouts, former scouts, retired guys, or otherwise, to come out and you know a bunch of different agents work together to say, hey, let's get all of our guys here. Well, depending on the state, we could have maybe six guys. Some of them we could have 10. Right. They would come. They would work out all those drills. We would get them on film. We would get write-ups from a, an, an objective scout and, and in a hope to be able to get something – to the NFL and to these teams to see none of it was official, but you're going to see more stuff like that because a team or a, a, a team in a conference that is not having a season until the spring is not hosting. And this is me trying to tell the future here, but not hosting a pro day in March. Right. Yeah. Their ideals are elsewhere. It's not in the cards. It's something that really helped the Terps. (laughs) So, you're, you're quasi-opting these guys out, and then you've got guys where, and you see this every year, where tail end of their junior season, they become a starter for the last three, four, five games. They're starting to get their sea legs about them. And then that season, that senior season is where they really, they get the development in the off season, they get the motivation, whatever they right. get, they take that next step. And a guy who was maybe, you know, one of those, Picks for an undrafted free yeah, agent like a fringe that, that guy. now becomes a late rounder, right? And because he's gotten the experience, he's he's been in the trenches or he's gotten the reps, he's he's been practicing with the ones, whatever it is. He, that guy's not getting that shot. He's right, not getting no. those games to develop and and to make it there. And then on the point, I, I just wanted to talk about the bubble yeah. because we've seen the bubble and it it's working in the NBA and it's working in the NHL. But you're talking about roster sizes that are drastically different, what I said. a third or less than the, the NFL, yeah. and then you're talking about. I mean, these Power Five rosters are three times the size of an NFL roster, right? Yeah. And the NBA and the NHL is a shortened playoff series like atmosphere right now. If you're talking about putting the entire NFL season in a bubble and doing that over what three three and a half months like yeah. it's unreasonable to think that these players would be the able only to do thing that. though that, that I would say to that right and we kind of talked about this a little bit pre-show is the fact that there's already semi bubbles in college football with with the living situations for a lot of these guys 
most of them, it's a, it's a, it is a football dorm, right? You may, if you have a few other people, well, they aren't there this year, but guess what? You can utilize those rooms for staffers, trainers, you know, all those type, all those types of people that you would normally have there. You could logistically, I think, I think work it out and have the players. Maybe, maybe the, if you're going to actually have classes in college and you're going to have them have the college set up video and they could they could remotely come into the classroom and still be able to learn still be able to do everything because obviously that, that's what they're for they're there for right they're there for an education they're talking on both sides of their face too they're saying it's canceled and then and then saying spring ball well they told me that march madness was canceled so right. does that mean we can run back with the terps because let's do that let's keep let's run march madness next year like nothing happened right i don't right. you can't say the word canceled like why aren't you just saying postponed if you believe spring Literally, right. I've received three emails today from the Terps. They all say, canceled. You could move your money to spring football. That's not canceled if it's spring it's football. It's just pushed back. Yeah, it's it's just, postponed. It's postponed. So, so why are you talking about both sides of your face? I, now, I agree with that. Now, you, you actually reminded me of where I was going. You started talking about dorm rooms, right? I'm going to address the other elephant in the room here. The other elephant in the room is, do they really give a shit about player safety? Is that what this is about? Because if it was about player safety, personally, I think these guys – are in a much better safety situation being on campus with all the restrictions and the guidelines and everything that they have to follow as players than they are as 20-year-old, 18-year-old, to 22-year-old athletes being sent back home to their environments that they're Let's in. See, that's it's, liability. That's the difference, though. Liability, I get that. We I have yet that. we've yet to see some of these schools. I have I have somebody that I know that that her son just just went down to college in Florida, got in his dorm room and everything. It ain't like you're you're not talking about canceling the season and having sending these guys home. These guys are still on campus. Some of them, some, some of them. A good from everything I've been reading, it's a good portion of them because they're they're a lot of these. The, a lot of colleges though are still doing school remotely. Some of them are, but a lot of some of the bigger ones aren't. Some of the bigger ones are still having people report. They, some, I don't, a lot of them are doing remote what they can but of course there's a lot of classes in college you can't do remotely right. the labs and yeah. the and the clinicals and things like that that's all still has to be done in person right um i don't i don't know what they're gonna do but i do know that it's a mess and i think that a good step in the right direction that should not have been provided before covid is they could have offered these guys health insurance the rest of their life maybe not pay but health insurance the rest of their life should have been for all the football players anyway so this has been a great time to offer that for your signature of a way of of covid liability we'll take care of health insurance whether it's a knee whether it's covid whether it's whatever for the rest of time would you guys like your health insurance bill to come off your pay oh, of course because i would love that I would, I, would love that. I would but now, now you're putting like i'm gonna play a little bit of defense here now you're putting the the whole um oh god what was the movie with will smith the concussion uh, one concussion was it concussion? Yeah. I couldn't remember. The concussion. <laughs> the concussion. Right there. Concussion. It's, it's like I almost got it. <laughs> what, uh, there's the, what's the what's the term that's used for CT? CT. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for, to the the nursery. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, then then you're opening it up for colleges to have to pay that liability, and then it opens. I'm not up saying for, liability. I'm saying treatment. Like it, you you have them sign right, a but, liability waiver, but in return you are getting health insurance paid by us the rest of your natural life. I could see right. that turning into a lawsuit of guys so that you can get sued paid. now anyway. Right, right. <laughs> but it would just open the door, is what I'm saying. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not the only one that feels this way, Joe. But I know you were talking about it earlier. You saw Nick Saban basically saying essentially the same thing about these players: is that sending them home 
by no means does any good as far as their safety and their health. It doesn't benefit them in any way. Well, I mean, specifically when you're talking about a program like Alabama, if you think that he doesn't know where most of those players are at any given time, right? you're fooling yourself. Yeah. So right. when he's saying things like they're safer here than at home, he's not wrong. I mean, right. he, he may not be 100% right, but these players come from all walks of life. Like these guys come from – you know, the middle of nowhere where they have absolutely no resources, no no access to anything. They don't all have the same, you know, financial support at home. They don't all have – I mean, that it, it's there is no consistency there. Right. When, when they're here and they're in that quasi-bubble that you mentioned, you know what they've got. They've, yeah. they've got their right. nutrition plans are taken care of. They've got a workout regimen, even though these days it's it's definitely modified. Right. You know, they I know for a fact that it, you know, we've talked to players that we are that are that we're potentially recruiting as we're trying to figure out everything that's going on here. Um they're working out, but it's different. My you know, they're going in phases, they're 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 kind of it's not the same, but it's not the the free range haphazard what they'd get if they were at home in the wind, because they'd be absolutely right. that. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and here's the thing. These guys are what? 18, 19, 20, 20 couple years old. Yeah. Right. Do, you know, I mean, we're, we're, none of us are that age in the room. But you remember how <laughs> invincible you thought you were then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, Absolutely. That's why you see teams like, and, and the players like in, in the MLB and the Cardinals that go and gallivant off to wherever because they're invincible and then boom. Right. You get a big COVID outbreak. Right. I mean, I, you know, I played high school sports and I thought I was invincible. I thought I had, you know, I had a huge head back then. These guys are division one athletes, right? These are guys that are, that are known publicly in the areas that they're from very well. And it's not just the old man coaches may saying these things. Trevor Lawrence has been out there every day putting his name on the line. I mean, he has like nothing to play for. No, he's he's the number one draft pick next year. Regardless, He benefits the most if the season's canceled because he's already the hands down number one pick if it doesn't happen. Right. So, For him just to stick his neck out every day saying we need to do this for everyone, of course he wants a shot at a national championship and they got as good a shot as anybody. But on top of that, I think I believe all the stuff he's saying. He believes that that his teammates will be in more peril outside of Clemson. Now, of course, the Division II football squads might not be the same thing, maybe putting them in groups and not having the resources that Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and even Maryland, any any big-time program has – is puts you safer, but maybe those those JUCOs you see playing. I mean, you know, the right. last chance use the places they're staying and living in last chance you. Maybe it isn't so uh, nice for COVID. Right. But as far as the big time programs, it is much safer than letting these guys go about their own business, especially if they stay on campus and don't have football because they're going to be at RG Bentley's on every Friday night. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing is is that you got to you know a guy like Trevor Lawrence and a program like that. You're going to have you're going to have guys that it's going to be pure accountability because guys like him, who is a true leader, if he says it, for example, I'm just throwing a a piece out there. If he says offensive lineman, you go out and you won't play. (laughs) Whatever he tells the coach. Exactly. That's my point. (laughs) It's like he, he, he kind of can dictate like that. So, and there's players like that on a lot of different teams. So I think that that most of those players opted out though. He's one of the few that's like, 
I'm sticking this through. Right. Yeah. A lot of the first round grade guys already said I'm not playing even in fall ball. Right. Well, but a lot of a lot of those guys, that's that is now the risk. If you get sick with COVID, you have an issue. We still let's be real. We don't know what the long term effects of COVID are. We right. know what the short-term effects are, but we don't know the long-term effects no of COVID. So right. these guys are putting literally saying, I have to put my life on the line. And some guys are willing to do it. Some guys aren't. I respect you either way. But under that same token, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but when I was that age, I was going to the strip club for the wings. I was like Baker, <laughs> right? <laughs> wings and the catfish, chicken well, strips. Yeah, exactly. I don't remember what baseball players said, but they said if baseball season doesn't end, it's a lonely man on the road that took it down. Like that's, right. that's that right. was what it was. And then a week later, the NBA proved it true. Right. <laughs> it's, <laughs> last thing I'm going to rehash before we move on, uh, and you brought it up earlier, Ryan. So I'll let you kind of lead with this. Right? Is is the potential if the SEC and the ACC do have a season of some sort, the potential for player poaching from a university like us, right, who we just started recruiting. We just started getting some big prospect names in. But a guy like Rakim Jarrett, you know, a five-star that wants to play right away but might get an opportunity in an SEC SEC school like LSU who was recruiting him before, we could see these dominoes start to fall left and right. Let me tell you, number one, you'd have to see – I believe the NCAA would approve everyone's immediate eligibility elsewhere because it is a – unforeseen circumstance you're not able to play where you were exactly. you are able to play somewhere else so we could see Rakeem Jarrett playing for LSU in three weeks right who knows what happens yeah but on top of that if long term the SEC and ACC play which the ACC playing is the worst case scenario for this for this section SEC is already great football right. they're already stealing things the ACC could leapfrog us as the second best conference in no oh, yeah. problem if they play this year and the Big Ten doesn't because everyone, their brother, will say, maybe next fall the Big Ten doesn't play either. Right. So I'll go down there where North Carolina's building a monster. I'll go down there where Virginia Tech used to be good. I'll go d- And the ACC could get to this point that we haven't seen in forever. Right. And the Big Ten could fall back at third, fourth, fifth place because we lost all our players by not playing. Right. It, it could be bad. And the guys that you're going to lose, those are going to be your underclassmen because a lot of the mm-hmm. seniors who have solidified where they are or they feel that they're like top 100 players, consider them opted out already. They may right. not have officially done it. Their season may not have been taken away from them yet. But even at, if the if the ACC and the SEC play, you're going to see some of those potential top 100 draft picks not play because of the liability that's on the line for them with who knows? Because we don't know. We have not seen in COVID helmets smashing together and whether or not we're, we're transmitting the virus in that way. We let haven't me, seen it. Let me talk to these opt-outs real quick as the medical guy. If you're going to opt out, you have to actually opt out of the world. You have to go in a bubble. You have to work out and only see two or three people till NFL draft day. Don't opt out thinking you're scared to get COVID on the field and then go – out to eat, go do something. Right. Don't don't give up this season and then expose yourself at the grocery store because believe me, I go to work every day in COVID. Every day. But I'm protected. So you would have been protected in this bubble with all this testing. Right. You're not protected at the grocery store. You're not protected at Chili's with your half price wings. Stay at home, see two to three people, virtual everything you can, including your trainers, and Get out of it. Because if you get COVID and sat out a year, 
you did it for nothing. And all you did was lose. And basically, you rehashed exactly what I was saying earlier, why I think that the they're in a better situation being at school and playing football than they are kids, being at home. Kids that age, and even even for all of us, structure is better. Right. Structure provides growth. All right, Scott, it's time for this week's Liquor Stop Brew of the Week. What are we drinking on today? So this week, it is, uh, it's from Inverness Brewing Company. We've had one of theirs before. This is out of their bootleg series, which is uh, what they call their crop to keg series. Right, uh, nice. So this is one after another. It's their IPA, 6.4%. Typical IPA, um, a little bit lighter on the bite side uh, for an IPA. A lot of IPAs have a deep, you know, I call it a deep bite, and it's the, you know, a lot of people say it's the hop. Um, but for me... Not bad. It's it has like a freshness taste to it. Yeah, it's pretty uh, good. But a normal normal IPA kind of kind of situation. So go check it out. Go up to to Liquor Stop up on Conowingo Road. Let them know Birdland BS sent you. Get your ten percent off. All right, James. Social media shout out. Who's been chiming in? I've seen a few guys out there. Phew. The regulars: Drew, Nick, Justin, yep. the whole crew. Yep. Um, Craig Zero. Yeah. Uh, Kaylee responded. Uh, so we got uh, Nick Short, Justin, uh, what D Bag? D Bag is back. Yep. Uh, Craig Zero, Stevens, Kathy, of course me. Right. That's about it. <laughs> Any okay. comments in there yeah, that you saw I, that stood out? Yeah, I got one. I believe it's from um, Nick Short. Said earlier, do you think we will be more injury prone because of the weirdness of this year? COVID and all. Yeah. I, yeah that's I, what we were saying before. That's what you were saying yeah. before. hundred percent I do. I mean, again, uh, the lack of repetitions, the lack of camps, all that stuff is going to keep these guys uh, limited to, you know, just the, the, the everyday movements. It, it, there's a difference between lifting weights and being in football shape. Yeah. Right. Uh, and having that limitation definitely puts them at risk. Yeah, I do. I know there wasn't a whole lot, but I did have a question for Joe regarding some of your undrafted guys, right. That you represent it, when you're talking to these guys, do you have a, a, a typical message that you're kind of telling them right now? I mean, obviously everything changed right before the show, but was there a message that you were kind of having to them of like, you absolutely need to be ready or, you know, you absolutely have to be prepared for this or that a hundred percent because these things, when, when I don't want to say the floodgates, but the opportunity opens like it did two hours ago now, yeah. right? This isn't a thing where the team calls the agent and says, Hey, we'd like to take a look at your guy. What's he doing next month? <laughs> no, now it might be a little more like feel like that because of the protocols and having to get tested and everything like that. But that's a Sunday or Monday call to get on a plane and get here so we can work you out on Tuesday right. in, in normal years. You, you've got to be ready or don't even bother going. It's, it, and, and it's, you know, consider this a life lesson to everybody, whether – not athletes, not whatever. But in, in odd times like this or otherwise, control what you can control. Yeah, right. And, you know, there are guys that are not going to take this seriously. There are guys that are going to be sitting – or have been sitting on their behinds. Right. Guys who have – shown up to training camp on zoom so far right so we can we can let's let's put it you know let's get the angles going <laughs> right. get let's the lighting right good let's get a green screen and i'm right. gonna wear a green shirt go a little thinner here you know uh, hey, throw a little vaseline on make sure you can see these guns <laughs> that that's you know the the rubber hits the road next week yeah we're padding up we're hitting 
it's getting real. Now there's only going to be what 14 padded practices. Yeah. 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 So circling all the way back to the injury question, how prepared are these guys? Right. Even the ones that did everything they were supposed to do. Even the guys that took it very, very seriously that have regimented routines that have the gyms in their house. So there was no impact to, Hey, I can't leave my house or I can't do that. They had it all there. They had, you know, veterans that have a nutritionist that's saying eat this not that right that that have you know their their gurus that are telling them you know that are that are getting them in the mode and keeping them in the mode to play right even those guys haven't been taking hits and yeah. it's about to get real and we're going to see guys like I as I said earlier I predict we're going to see more if we have a 16 full 16 game season I predict we're going to see more transactions for that that cornucopia of reasons, right? You know, injury, smaller injuries like you've never seen, non-contact injuries, yeah. um, COVID, op, not opt-outs, but getting on the protocol Related, because right. of of exposure and needing right. to be there and having to go through, you know, the number of, of clean tests. We're going to see more of that this year than we have in the past. So it's it's a hundred percent. You you got to be ready to go. Yep. Yeah. All right, Scott. It's time for some bros, bows, and O's. Uh, as the Orioles continue to play well, I think all said and you know, listen, they had a little stretch there against the Marlins, <laughs> lost three against the Marlins when the Marlins finally decided okay. to get their shit together and come can, to town. I was gonna say, can we can we can we touch on that for just a quick second? Sure, why not? The zero and four thing, right? I, it is what it is. The Marlins, they're they're looking decent. I give them credit. Yeah, we didn't know what happened. And to Joe's point, there's been no transmission spread, but we didn't know that until it happened, right? We didn't know that it wasn't it it wasn't going to be transmitted on the field, right? Or at least we haven't seen it yet. So you had to reasonably assume that that could have been the case because of a lack of discipline on the part of the players. I would even put it on the coaching staff and, and control the team for controlling the players in their out of field duties or you know off the field duties. That type of thing put the league at risk. Yeah, we we shut down the games. I still think these should have been forfeit games. These games never should have been played. They never should have the chance. And the reason for that is exactly what's happening right now. The Marlins have one of the top three winning percentages in the league now. Yeah, but yet you put you everybody can't. at risk. No, I get that, and I agree with you that that there should have been a hard line whether they were going to, you know completely forfeit the games or not. Like it shouldn't have been this whole debate back and forth of whether they were going to do it or not. But at the end of the day, regardless of their record and how they finished this year and all that, that shouldn't, that shouldn't weigh in. The The Orioles just didn't play very good when Miami get, finally got their shit together and got here. They didn't no. hit at all. No, pitching, pitching still did good. They didn't hit. Uh, they did bounce back though. Uh, they took two, well, two and three quarters uh, <laughs> of games from the Nats because they're not quite finished no. the third game yet. And uh, the fourth game, they still have another game to play. Yeah. So, I mean, when you talk about what they've done so far this year, right, they took two or three out of Boston in Boston, right? They had the, the series against the Yankees that didn't do very well. Uh, but then, you know, they take, they sweep the Rays, which the Rays are nothing to bat an eye at, right? No. And then they take two and three quarters out of the Nats, who were the defending World Series champs. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, they, that's what I'm saying. They don't They don't look bad at all. To, I'm more bitter about the four losses, right, than I really should be. But I'm I'm also trying to be realistic when I, when I make that statement. But when you look at the team as a whole, there are 
a, a lot of a lot of things that have happened over the past week. Yeah. Um, shout out to Joe Carlozo. He wants to give you a lot, a lot of shit. Because <laughs> your boy. Where where be Cedric Mullins yeah, now? Yeah, Cedric got sent down. He, I get it. Listen, he he, he's not playing very well. I understand that. He's my boy. I, I rooted for him coming up through the minors. So. But to send him down, they pull up a guy that we predicted we would see this year. Just not this early, in my opinion. Yeah. Keegan Aiken gets called up. Yeah. Were you surprised by this move? No. I mean, at, at this point, I mean, obviously, you had Blyer get traded, right? So yeah. they're looking for some added help to that bullpen. Uh, and this is a guy that you got to kind of figure out where you're at with him, where he's at in his development. Uh, I'm excited to see him here. I still don't understand why Ryan, Mount, Ryan Mountcastle isn't here. That's the real question to me is – I get it, like the whole position thing, right? That's that's been their crutch as to why he's not up here. Is no, that, that has not been their crutch. Their well, crutch has been their their quiet crutch has been Davis. Let's be real. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of where I was going with the thing. The media mm-hmm. crutch that they're wanting to say is that he doesn't have a position, right? That he still needs to work as a defender. Well, to your point, Chris Davis is the answer to Ryan Mountcastle. Chris Davis is bringing zero value to this roster now and for the future, but you have to pay him regardless now and the future. Right. Why? Why are we allowing him to still be a roadblock for a guy that his bat is obviously major league ready? Yeah, we know he's proven that at all three levels of the minor league system. And where can you hide defensive liability? First right. Base. First base is the exactly. So if you don't want to put him at third, because that's what he originally got drafted as, cool, I get that. You don't want to put him in the outfielder because you have better options out there. Cool, I get that. You don't want to bring him up just as a DH. Cool, we got plenty of those. Understand. But your one hole that you could fill is first base that's currently occupied by Chris Davis. You don't have Trey Mancini coming back who might take time because that was the other guy that we thought right. might play first base if he moved in from the outfield. I don't. I, Make sense for it. Make it make sense. The only thing, the only thing, and and I've seen people that going back and forth on this in Twitter, and I've argued, I've argued with people on this. Is everybody wants to say, you know, oh, just get rid of Davis. Even even a, a hiding a defensive liability at first base, you can do it, but it can also cost you, right? Because pickoffs, if you can't handle a pickoff, right? If you can't, if you can't. If you can't do the jump tag, right? Chris that. Davis. We know Chris Davis is good at the jump tag. We know Chris Davis. Are you many- seriously <laughs> making a case for Chris Davis to still be here because of his defensive prowess? I wish we could have. I wish we could have on the roster where he could play defense and not have to bat. Well, you got to get a pitcher that can bat then because you uh, could do it. At the point. You, you are talking about the, the same Chris Davis with that, a C that, that just struck. Oh, out, we're not talking about with a K that just no. struck out to end the three run rally in the sixth inning. Correct. <laughs> Hey, that, that is the same. You, didn't you say he got a hit earlier tonight? <laughs> Correct. That, that at so, the time brought his average up to 152, <laughs> but he's been out twice, including uh, that strikeout to end the sixth inning, <laughs> down to 143. So you and I have actually yeah. spent a couple games together up in the suites at Camden Yards. So, so I know you're a big Orioles fan. What's your opinion? What's your take on Chris Davis? Like I, I haven't talked to you about him in a while. So is he is it's, is he a roadblock for you as far as blocking other people to come up or what? He was on fire. 
in, in spring in, in, in are we going there training spring training i was so hopeful i mean don't get me wrong oh, maybe he in, has covid in in february <laughs> please he's been tested he's right he's fine. let that be the case the, the, in February, there were so many things that I was hopeful for yeah. that March completely destroyed. And <laughs> it's true. Chris Davis was on that list, okay? And <laughs> so, I mean, he, he – and, and here's the thing. I know that you want to make light of the spring training thing, but he showed up looking like a different guy. It was the Chris Davis of old. He was focused. He the was problem hitting. is he's done that – he, consistently in the spring. He put on some of that Hollywood Brown weight. Now, okay? he did do that. Yes. So that was the one thing that jumped out about me, uh, about Chris Davis this year was, holy shit, he went back to the original Chris Davis that got traded here as well, far as his his just corn, fred, you know, fed, like, just big yeah, body wood. guy. He's chopping chop wood. wood right, yeah, it. exactly. That's, well, that's the thing, though, is when he talked about that, right, he said that last year, the past two years, he went under this regiment and under this style that he said, I'm getting older I need to keep the weight off. Well, in all reality, that didn't help him because he lost the power. He lost the focus. So when you lose, you can think, okay, keep the weight off. I can keep the bat speed up. That wasn't happening. His bat speed was actually slower. That's why he was missing so many pitches. That's why his head was so far out because his bat speed had slowed down. He puts the weight back on. He's able to keep it up. Is he going to have the raw power that he had before? No. And to Joe's point, that's what we saw in the spring. You saw that translation that, that said that. The difference but we've is, seen that in the spring before. We've seen spurts of it in the spring. We were we were seeing it on a consistent basis in the spring. You know right? what happens? I know it was only this, two weeks. This but. is what we see in the spring with Chris Davis. We see three weeks, two weeks of fastballs when pitchers are working on location and he can time a fastball better than most people and hit it 500 feet. That's what Chris Davis does. And he did that multiple times in multiple years. But when the lights come on and pitchers start using their whole repertoire, that's when the I'll, real Chris Davis I'll shows up. I disagree with that, though, because, yes, you're, yes, you can time a fastball. But to time a fastball and spray it all over the field? He was literally spraying it all over the field. He had multiple home runs to right field. He had multiple hits to left field. I really didn't think when he was defending Chris Davis. <laughs> when Chris Davis, <laughs> I did not see this going this way. When Chris I, at all, I, I'm defending. I'm defending him in the fact that to Joe's point, we saw things. Don't bring him into it. Yeah, he's not defending. <laughs> he, he jumped in. Leave him alone. Anyway, what, kind of getting back to it. Yes, at, since we've come back up, since we've spun up, am I kind of to that point with him? Yeah, I am. I'm to that point. But the problem is, is even hiding a defensive liability at first base can cost you. If you get a guy that a pitcher's not confident that if I throw the ball over to him, he's not going to hold the I, runner as tight. I don't. I don't think he's a liability. Do I think he's a downgrade? Talking about Mountcastle. Do I think he's a downgrade defensively? Yes, because I do agree with you that that Chris Davis is a very good defensive first baseman. But a, de a good defensive first baseman doesn't win you anything, doesn't win you a World Series, doesn't do anything for a team that's going through a rebuild, through a team that's going through a rebuild that's looking towards the future. You know you're not going to get anything in value for Tr Chris Davis because nobody's taking on that contract. So what is the point in even putting him out there anymore? You still have to pay him till 2035, the whole Bobby Bonilla deal, right? Regardless, you got to pay him till then anyway. When does it become detrimental to the growth of this team? I really thought when Elias came aboard, right? I said this last week, that Elias would be given that whole clean slate to say, hey, you know what? Chris Davis isn't your problem. You didn't bring him in. You didn't sign him to this deal. That was the guy before you. So do with him what you will. And the fact that he's still on this roster, to me, says 
Angelos or the Angelos family is saying no or is vetoing it, vetoing it because it doesn't seem like it makes sense you, you, for Elias to not do something. But you also can't have you can't necessarily have that money sitting on the bench. <laughs> you brought up Bobby Bonilla. Let him no sit cap. at home. Is my point. I don't want him on the bench. I want him at home. Right, but Cut it's him. a Bobby Bonilla situation. It's a Bobby Bonilla situation. The Mets still kick themselves for that move. But they're not kicking him because they didn't have Chris Davis. It's not like they had a guy that was hitting 100 and they kept him on their roster and you know, that's a totally different scenario. They got to pay him regardless. It's like you're kicking yourself twice. You're kicking yourself when yeah. you pay him, you're kicking yourself when you watch him. Right, exactly. Home, you're like kicking yourself once. Exactly. I, I can't I'd wait offer him an extra million dollars on top of his contract, <laughs> spread it over 50 years and take a little a less heat every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other anyway. guy, the other move, uh, one of the other moves anyway, uh, was another first round pick. A guy that's kind of been that fringe like 4A type player. He's come up here. He's had a few stints where he's done good, uh, but he has not done good so far this year. That's DJ Stewart. He got yeah. sent down an option down to the uh, the alternate training the alternate site. training yeah. site. Right. What's your take on that? I mean, is is not surprised. I mean, it, it's it's the only thing I would say is that it's. I'm not going to say it's starting to worry me, but I question it a little bit. Is is our outfield depth seems just to be starting to diminish? Yeah. Right. You you send down DJ Stewart. You send down Cedric Mullins, who are okay. your two main backups. You know, you have some guys that can play, sure, but Stevie Mil- Stevie Wilkerson didn't make the squad, right? So it's not like you can depend on him to be able to jump out there if need be. Right. So now you're you're looking at Santander, Hayes, and um, which I really like Santander. Oh yeah, that might be one of the better rule, rule five draft picks that we've had in a long time. Oh yeah, he's he's been the best translation. But it's the concern with DJ Stewart going down. It, it it's another Cedric Mullins type situation that he hasn't he hasn't gotten the consistent reps. Yeah, which in baseball, you know, look, let's not forget this is the only sport where you can fail two out of three times and be considered a success. An all star and an all star exactly. So. It, to say okay, he's he's not doing it with the bat. If he's only getting out there every two to three games, right? One game for every two to three games. I don't know that you can see it. I I still agree with you with the Cedric Mullins thing. I don't think it was there, and I don't think I think it's you're seeing us go down that same path with DJ, DJ Stewart. Right? Yeah. We saw flashes last year of DJ Stewart where he looked really good. And then we saw flashes of his defense, and uh, yeah, where the ball just hit him in the face, right, right. Like, he just, where uh, it was just like, uh, go ahead, James. I just have to say, if I'm DJ Stewart or C- uh, Mullins, I'm going into the clubhouse and talking to Hyde. But look, you're paying me this league minimum, and you got Chris Davis doing worse than what the fuck <laughs> I am. I can at least still stay on the fucking team. <laughs> It, it, it contributes some way. Yeah. It yeah. all comes back to Chris Davis. Well, I mean, there, you want to talk about a guy that's doing as bad as Davis. I hate to say this, but at the plate, Austin Hayes, man, he's looking bad right now. Yeah, he, he's he, batting like one twenty something. Yeah, he's worse than Davis. He looks he looks a little lost, but it's small sample size. Davis has done this now for <laughs> half years. a decade, uh, so it's a little bit of a different a little bit of a different comparison but Austin Hayes what he's brought to the field defensively oh, yeah. you talk about what Chris Davis does at first base Wait, well, who this do we guy, have this argument for Chris Davis right <laughs> yeah f- first base what i'm talking about is the center fielder right you you build a team through the middle of the field right yes. and your center fielder needs to be a legit center fielder well, Mullins wasn't the guy Austin Hayes to me defensively is proving why he could be 
a future star at the center field. Yeah, and to your point, you know, you got to go through. You, you look at his defense, his ability to command it, and he, he, you know, he riles the guys up. He gets yeah. excited. I like when, his when he makes a good when he makes a good play. He's fired up. He's like, I, I hate to say it because we saw this in Adam Jones, so it's it's somewhat of a sign of a, a little bit of immaturity. But the excitement is there, yeah. right? And, and sometimes it's learning when to tone it back and, you know, great, you made a great play, move on. Right. Right? Not be, not be like, fired up. Like, last year was great. Everybody gets excited about that, that play that he made last year. Right. When he catches over the wall and he's going, let's go. Yeah. Dude, your team was down by four. You made a catch that was great. <laughs> your team is not in contention. I get it. It, but it, that's a sign of immaturity. It's not a catch the ball, boom. All right, this is how I roll. This is how I do it, right? It was almost as if he was surprising himself a little that's bit. Like you like to watch boring sports. Yes. You like to watch the, the, the guy score a touchdown and hand the ball to the ref. And, and go down to a knee and pray, the Tim Tebow. The Tim Tebow. Oh, the Tim there Tebow. it is. You had to bring it up. You had to get the Tebow drop in there. I cut your mic off, but then you cut Jobeth off too, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, all right, oh. so Jobeth, what's, what's your take on – a lot of the youth with this team, right? So him and Scott and I have both been really excited about Austin Hayes. We both obviously like Anthony Santander. Who are some of your favorites with some of these this young talent that's coming through? I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I looked at that first roster that had the 30 guys and the guys that were on the IL, I guess is what they're calling it now. Yeah. Injured list. Right. I'm like, what is it, what is I, it Fred? Injured it list. Was, <laughs> it was like a total of what? Like 38 guys. And I kind of ran through and I'm like, I know 13 of these names. <laughs> right. So, right. and again, I've been obviously professionally focused on, on football quite a bit. Yeah. I've been a fan of the Orioles my entire life. So it's always a thing that's, that's there and that is relevant, but it's, you know, it, it sometimes gets tough to watch and I still get, not this year, of course, get down to the yard when I can. Right. And it's, you know, the, the thing is that's interesting about this season is that we're a quarter of the way through it. I know. I was thinking about that on and, my way over and, here and, already. And, and kind of, and again, not to really defend him, but to to have the corner of the infield taken care of with a guy that you know is going to, you know, scoop, do scoop those balls and, <laughs> and, and, you know, that can be there. Uh. And a sprint, not the normal 162 where all of your blemishes are exposed. I know. The problem is how many guys batting below the Mendoza line are acceptable on a team that's sprinting. And, and it's you might be but, able to hide But two. here here's how sad this is, right? I'll take the loss at first base. I'll take the, the lower skill set at first base for somebody that could come in and just hit 200. That's how much better Ryan Mountcastle would be than Chris Davis. It would be double his average if he just came in and hit the bare bones Mendoza line of 200. Like, that's where we're at with this, right? I mean, that, and you're not stunning his growth and you're, you're not putting that kind of like Yastrzemski. We talked about this last week, right? Everything that I've heard about Mike Yastrzemski is he had checked out of the organiz- Orioles organization a year or two prior oh, to, yeah. to him going to the, to the, to the Giants. Uh, and a lot of that stemmed from the lack of opportunities and the lack of development that the Ori- Orioles organization gave him. I don't want that same mindset. For a guy like Ryan Mountcastle, who's in the top five of our overall prospects right now. The, the, the question that we're not asking ourselves, and it goes back to what I was saying, and I don't know the numbers. I'm not going to claim to know the numbers. But I would imagine that they've got to be higher. And Let's look at what this, this organization is moving towards. We're, we are 
we're working with statisticians. Right. Right? There's got to be something on the defensive war for Chris Davis to warrant Elias. It's either that or Elias has, Elias has given Hyde free reign, which I don't know is the case. But it's either it, it, it's it's got to be that, or it's got to be Elias yeah. saying there's got to be something statistician. I think they're both handcuffed. I think Elias and Hyde are handcuffed. I, I, I can't say that I agree with you personally because everything else, except for this one thing, he's the only one making a billion dollars. But hold on a second. <laughs> everything he, he, to to Drew's point here, right? I can stomach a bad average and great fielding from Davis if he was actually hitting at least home runs. So if the 20 hits that he's going to have this season based on the pace that he's going right now were 20 home runs, we could take that at, at a you know, 150 batting average. But he's not even doing the one thing that we expected from him through the length of this contract was to hit home runs. He's not even doing that. We don't know what, what Elias is, be, is asking him. It's, that was that was under. They're not asking him to bunt. They're not asking him to hit the other way. They're because, just asking him to make second, contact. But the, the statistician point. side of things has. They're saying that's the reason the small ball and the bunting. The A's don't bunt. The A's and the Astro. The Astros bunted it first, and then they stopped because they developed their players. The the side of it is is I don't know what the defensive war is. There has to be something that's there. Everything else regarding the Angelos brothers is pointing in the direction. Correct me if I'm wrong with this statement. Yeah. Everything else with the Angelos brothers is pointing us in the direction that they have given Elias full control. I will agree with you, but I we don't know what was said about the Davis situation because of the contract and everything that went with this. But I'm gonna go back to your point here. You just talked about how uh, about the A's not doing like. You know, the small ball things, the A's were built around money ball, right? They were built around average and production and OPS and all that stuff. Chris Davis would be at the bottom <laughs> of that fucking list with the Oakland Athletics. He wouldn't even be a consideration for the Oakland Athletics recreation team. But the difference is, is, is the, the Athletics and the A's, when they went in to their, to their true rebuilds, can you, name, can you name a Davis-like contract that they went into a rebuild with? No, the answer is no. You cannot name that because the guys that they had that were there were producing. That's the difference. If Davis isn't isn't out there to produce, okay. then you can't have a. But the contract's going to be there regardless, right? There, it's it's fake money. There's no salary cap in baseball. Yeah. There's no dead money. You just have a dead player. Essentially. And the owner's nearly dead, so he should spend some of his money. <laughs> and I and I think that's 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 another part of the problem too is that how much control do the sons really have over certain things like that? Because Angelos, the 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 father, they legally, was Davis's yeah, guy. They legally can't have operational control of the team. This is what happened. I don't know if you remember last year we went through this. They're, the MLB investigated because they wanted to know who was making the operational decisions. Yeah. And it has to be because if it's not Angelos, Angelos has to sell, to sell his shares. He's legally required. Supposedly, the family and the brothers can't afford to buy it. They would need to take on additional investors in order to be able to do it. <laughs> Jobin's over there counting his watch. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. I hear you. I hear Kevin Plank's looking for a new investment, so, so maybe. So, so we brought up the A's. Can we talk a little broad baseball? Because as Fred can attest, I've been pretty busy. So I yeah. turned the TV on like 10 p.m. So I haven't caught very much Orioles baseball. 
But I can say a couple things. I watched an, uh, an Angels game yesterday. The empty stadiums don't bother me. I don't know why, but it's the one sport. I think maybe I know. I think maybe it's because the Oriole Park has been so empty for so long that, you're that I don't it. even. It doesn't even phase me that there is just empty like vastness. Right. But it really hasn't been a problem. Um, and then tie back to what we just did with losing college football. Co- Baseball is about to lose an entire minor league system. Like yeah. college baseball is not going to make it. Like you have basketball just lost millions of dollars and football losing billions of dollars because of Title IX, you can't cut women's sports the same way you can cut men's sports. Baseball is going to disappear at a crazy rate in college. I don't know what the draft's going to look like. It's just going to be all high schoolers, right? Yeah, I mean, with 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 baseball, that's the the only thing that's that's going in that direction is that you're. You're going to see more high scores. I, th- I don't think you're wrong about that. I think you're going There's to see There's not going to be any college players. Well, but <laughs> the only thing that plays in their favor is, I'm going to say, some of these dual-sport athletes. Do some of these dual-sport athletes say, I'm not getting the shot this year in football? Do I make the translation and say, I'm good enough I'm good enough to do both? If Let's put Russell Wilson in that category. If Russell Wilson was in this, was in this day and age, could we see Russell Wilson... As the Texas Rangers, or as the yeah, no, the, because the, the minors are closed. Because there's no minor league teams. If if minor uh, league teams were playing, but college football wasn't, no. Then yes. But I'm but I'm saying in co- in college, right? You're talking about that. College baseball still has a chance to play next year. Oh, no, that's not happening. <laughs> we don't. We don't. They're planning on playing football. What's to stop them from? Because playing Because they're gonna before baseball even gets there, they're going to eliminate sports teams. There's not going to be the budget to handle all of these sports teams because you're losing so much money. Your budget isn't having to pay it's a out trickle for, down. I would say if you don't play a football season, your budget's not having having to pay out the football season, which is way more expensive than a baseball season. I bet you're still off. paying those coaches making nine million dollars yeah. a year. Yeah, but you can't pay your players. Well, yeah, they're not paying the players <laughs> whether they played or didn't. But I bet you're still paying some of those coaches. Can, can we get those bags back, guys? <laughs> yeah, right. We yeah. get those bags back. Yeah. <laughs> Now, to, to your point earlier, the first point that you made, I, I do think that uh, from an entertainment value, as far as watching it on TV, the fan thing really doesn't bother me one way or the other. And with, it does in other sports. I, in basketball, yeah. it's a little weird. I mean, I uh, like it, but it's weird. Well, the difference is, is MLB I'm not is, as weirded out as I thought I'd be about the basketball. You don't thing. think you, you're not weird about it, but what you don't recognize if you're if you're watching on the regular is the pumping in of the fans. So yeah. it sounds the sound of baseball. Sounds somewhat normal. Yeah, if you actually watch a major league game and then you go and watch one of the the games over in Korea where they don't pump in the crowd noise, they just got the fans, the cardboard cutouts or whatever, you can hear a very distinct difference. It's like kind of watching golf when you're watching baseball. So I I get your point with that. Um, Where was I going? The, the, The basketball thing, though, and the NHL thing is almost like watching a video game. Like with yeah. all the stuff that they're doing in the background with the digital especially, fans, and especially the NHL, and all that stuff. no fans really bugs me for the NHL, but do they're you, doing a lot. Do you remember there was a point only two months where we were actually watching video games live? No, I know. <laughs> right. That's how, that's how sad it is. You could bet on this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. I, listen, I like it. And, and one of the other things that I kind of like about it is, uh, being able to hear conversations, being able to hear players yelling at each other, banter, uh, things that you normally wouldn't hear uh, that even the, they can't block out with the microphones because 
even if you got the microphone on its lowest setting, it's picking up everything that's going on right in front of it. So it's going well, to hear some stuff. It's affecting the players too. I, fr- I think it was the um, oh god, it was it might have been the Phillies versus the Nats. I forget who it was. Somebody in it was a National League team. They were complaining that the broadcast team when they when they their pitcher was the out on the field, team. their broadcast team would actually get louder. And they, there was some video that I saw on Twitter, and you could hear they did. They did when they're when the the home team was pitching and when the away team was pitching and when the away team was pitching, you could hear almost every well, word like echoed were because talk, of that. They were talking about the controversy when the Nats were here, when the guy hit the home run, you heard that like siren. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, so I mean, they brought sure. that up. It, it it plays a role, and then you got uh, was it Philly, where uh, Aaron Boone goes out and complains to the umpires. Because the Philly fans are out in the, they're out beyond, just beyond the concourse, blowing air horns. Right. So, <laughs> so what you're telling me is now I know why they're going to bring in Tony Romo to do the broadcast for the Astros <laughs> games <laughs> because he's going to say ahead of time what pitch is coming. And they don't right. even need to bang on the trash can. <laughs> I love it. I love Tony <laughs> Romo. Good drop there. <laughs> Four three Orioles right now. Four three Orioles. All, all right. right. So all right. Four three Orioles. What inning are we in? I think the fifth. Fifth, okay. Ooh. And or seventh. Drew, Drew no, brings up. Top seventh. I'm sorry. Drew top. brings up a good point of somebody that I want to talk on talk on before we move on. Yeah. He said, don't nap on Valeka. Yeah, Valeka's done a very good job uh, considering, you know, we don't have a whole lot of the utility role. You know, yeah. we, we lost Wilkerson when he went down. Valeka's done a very good job stepping in. Uh, I think hitting-wise, this team can compete with the best of them right now. I mean, you're, you're – Renato Nunez, Jose Iglesias, Hanser Alberto, all these guys are hitting the cover on the football right now. Yeah, I mean, Hanser, Hanser has been, I think, um, four, I think he's fourth in the league in hits and ninth in batting average yeah. in the league. Right. Right? So very impressive there. And Nunez is another guy. His, his batting average doesn't tell the full story. I mean, it's, it's still more than decent at 273. Right. But the guy has five home runs. 13 runs, a 618 slugging, a 973 OBS, OPS, and seven walks first in all for all of those categories on the team. Yeah. And then the other categories that he's that he's up there in, he's got 11 RBIs, which is second. He's got 15 hits, which is third. His biggest his biggest issue is that he leads the team with 18 strikeouts. Yeah. Seven more than anybody else. Right. Which is why the 273 is what he is. But when he makes contact... Damn, does it look good? Uh, sounds like the old Chris Davis days. Jesus. A lot of strikeouts, <laughs> but made contact. <laughs> By the way, let Whatever me just put that wall. out there about Nunez. Nunez is tied for fifth in the league in home runs. Is it? Yeah. You know, uh, I think Judge has like nine or ten at this point. Yeah. He like, is just ridiculous. The, the, if there's anybody in this on this earth that could outgrow a major league diamond, it's Aaron Judge. He needs to graduate to the next level. He'd be there by himself, but he needs to graduate <laughs> to like a hundred and ten foot field. Right. You know, <laughs> these ninety foot diamonds just can't control. This he team. needs a five hundred foot wall. <laughs> <laughs> but as I mentioned prior, uh, the strength of this team, surprisingly, I know we're hitting well. Surprisingly, has been the starting rotation. And yeah. if I if I told you that that it was going to be a strength without John Means being a factor. Right? If you'd have told me that at the beginning of the year, I said you're dumb as shit. Yeah, exactly. Anybody would. <laughs> but, I mean, these guys, this 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 hodgepodge of guys that we keep talking about. 
somehow keep getting it done. You got a guy like Tommy Malone, who's just been a, a journeyman. Hell of a pickup. Yeah, exactly. One of those dumpster dive type of moves that we got that we were just looking to fill in a rotation spot. He's come in as a lefty and done really, really well against AL East opponents. This is a guy I was talking to you about this pre-show that I think would be a perfect trade chip later on in the year if he can continue to pitch because he's already he's he's proving one that he can pitch in the AL East. He's a left-handed pitcher. He's on a very, very minor contract, yeah, and he's on a one-year deal. So it'd be a very low risk for a team to bring him in, especially if he's pitching good, and we might get something in return for that. Well, and of our starting pitchers, he's got one of the best whips, and we've talked about this time and time again about ERA being you know, an, an evolved stat. It needs to kind of go away. It needs to evolve in some way because it doesn't tell you the full story. Right. Whip is it seems to be more of that direction. Yeah, it's walks and hits in an inning pitched. I mean, right, exactly. Tells pretty much the story. So he's at 1.14. Right. One of the lowest of our starters, which is impressive, but he, he's joined in company by a guy like Wojo, who seems to have come out of nowhere – yeah. Last year had a, a a fairly decent start. I think he, his his whip last year was somewhere in the twos, if I remember correctly. Um, but this year he started off. He's got a one point one seven whip. Yeah, what I've seen so far in the couple of starts that he's made is he's locating the ball better than he did last year, yeah. uh, and he's using his change change of speed very very well. Like he he keeps hitters off balance, uh, which is great. Again, just as a whole, this pitching staff is doing really, really well. Far so far, again, it's only what fourteen games. We seven and seven at this point. Far have exceeded my expectations because going into the year, I could only tell you two guys that I thought for sure were going to be in the rotation, and one of them's not. Right, he's gone. Now. He's, he's gone. Like, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a little concerning, and it does concern me that it's. <sighs> That we're going down that path with pitchers again because we had this happen with Dylan Bundy, who, by the way, uh, is doing pretty damn good. Yeah, for the you Angels. knew this was going to happen, though. Like, you're uh, right, I did. I called it last year. Well, he's not a Cy Young, <laughs> Scott. Pump the brakes. No, but you it, had him pegged as a Cy Young for two years. He looked, he looked <laughs> damn good last yeah. year at the, at the start of the year. He's looking damn good again this year. But it's yet again another pitcher who seems to leave the Orioles organization and take a pretty decent step in the right direction. We saw it with Arietta. Now we're seeing it with Bundy a little bit. We saw it with uh, even, even out of our uh, bullpen, Pedro Strope, right? That's right. a name that we can think back and he, he did well. And then he had struggles and we got rid of him and he goes up to Toronto and takes them into the playoffs, you know, from the back end port of the portion of the rotation for them. Right. So it's it's a little worrisome that we see a guy so young, yet again, early in his career, going on the injured list. Yeah. It's starting to be a fundamental problem. Maybe for Means it stems because Means does stem back into the Duquette era and before, right? really the Duquette era for him. There was a fundamental problem there. We know that. Hopefully that's been resolved. But is this part of that still fading through yeah i mean one of our glaring issues for years as far back as i can remember has always been pitching development yeah 
you know, developing pitchers through the minors. Uh, for some reason, the, the, the Tampa Bay Rays have been able to do it like a freaking factory. Uh, there's a bunch of teams out there. The Atlanta Braves did it for two decades like a factory. Uh, there's a lot of teams that have been able to do that. That's been a struggle for the Orioles consistently for as long as I can remember. Uh, and it really does. It makes you scratch your head as to what – what are they doing differently? What are they not doing? What are they asking? Are they asking too much of these guys? Not enough of these guys? Are, is it just a product of not having the right developmental staff? And are we seeing that change with Elias or what? But this doesn't bode well when you see an issue like one of your starting pitchers, one of your top starting prospect pitchers goes down with yet another well, injury. And for us, it was a glaring. The reason it was glaring for us in an average organization, I don't think it's, it's as glaring. And the reason I say that is because in an average organization, you can also go buy pitching and you're right. willing to go buy pitching. Even when we were in the playoffs, we weren't willing to go buy pitching. Right. We were willing to give it up. Yeah. But we weren't willing to go buy it. And that's you get two spectrums. Either you have to develop it from the ground up like some of these organizations have. Or you have to be the Yankees and the Red Sox and go and the, and the Cubs which the and the Dodgers and go buy it. Which the Orioles will never be. They'll never compete in that uh, as far as money goes for those top free agent pitchers. They so just your make only hope is to develop, develop it. it. Right. And but that's, we can't even get that straight. I know. It's frustrating. I, I, anything to add with that as far as your frustrations with the Orioles' development of pitchers over the years? I mean, it was before my time, but we, we once had – Staff with four twenty game winners, but yeah, long time ago. Now. I mean, the game is a different game since <laughs> yeah. then, and it and it's been time and time again. It's the story. Hey, this is the guy. This is the next guy. This right. is the guy. You, you know, you saw it with Bundy, with Gosman, with Arietta, with all these guys. Like, look at this. You know what I mean? Well, right. I, I I saw a, a graph somewhere about I think the twenty ten draft class mm-hmm. about a week ago, and. You know, and where those guys—that was the the Harper draft, the Machado, Machado draft, draft, and everything yep. like that. And what really stood out to me was Syndergaard, Matt Harvey, who granted suffered injury. Um, the, the, and I'm blanking on names here, but in one draft, the Mets drafted a legit starting rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're. Yeah, I mean that's. That That's, actually, with the exception of Harvey, which was an injury, injury issue, are actual legit year in year out Cy Young. Contenders. That was they got Syndergaard and Degrom and all yes, those guys, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. That's the name I was I was really blanking on. Yeah. All all in that same draft. And that's the wow. thing. That's the thing is is you have to if you can't develop it, and that's the problem for the Orioles. It's a it's a fundamental problem at this point, and it's. I know you can't come in and fix it overnight, but you've got to come in and you've got to do something. And, and maybe means was a product of all that, you know, a leftover product. But I tell you what, a guy like Keegan Aiken comes in and has that problem. I've got bigger questions for this organization. I agree. Minutes warning. I right, Scott. Pretty good. I forgot it was peach. Whew. Yeah, no, I was bracing for screwball. My was mind like, was ready for peanut butter. Woo. <laughs> oh, man. That'll grab you by the nutsack. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Scott, it's time for the two minute warning. 
I have not even looked at the questions yet. I know James, James, James put these in. We haven't even had the chance to like really look not, over these. <laughs> so you're going first this week. Ha-ha, you got me the last two. Have you at it, buddy. You got me like the last four before that. <laughs> all right. Jesus. Have at it. All right. <laughs> with all, all right. With all that's going on in MLB with players and bench clearing, do you think MLB is getting it right with outcomes with fines and suspensions? I... I can say I think the answer is no, because if you were getting it right with fines and suspensions, there should have been something for the Marlins organization who put everybody at risk. There's to, to Joba's point, there's been no proven transmission with, with all of this on the field. Bench clearing, I get it. It takes it to a different level, but you don't have this situation, and it needs to be fixed. I, I don't think fines and suspensions have ever been a thing of consistency through – through any sport, specifically Major League Baseball. Yeah. Uh, and when you see a guy like Joe Kelly get eight games for what he did and a guy charges the dugout and only gets six games, uh, I don't know. It, to me, it doesn't equal. It's not a balance. But this is a problem that hasn't just been this year. It's been going on for a he long time. He was provoked, and the provoker got 20 games. That's right. James? <laughs> and the last easy one. Uh, is Brady a bust this year or a Super Bowl MVP? I don't know that I know that there's enough down there for him to be able to be a Super Bowl MVP. There's not enough down in Tampa for me right now. And knowing what they look like, I don't see preseason. I don't have any of that. I don't know what his connection is with these guys. I think it's a bigger bust than people are, are going to make it out to be. People are making him out to be the guy. It's going to be a bust. That's a large gap in difference <laughs> between bust and Super Bowl MVP. I'm going to put him somewhere in the middle. I'm not going to say he's a bust. I'm not going to say he's a Super Bowl MVP. I like his weapons. I like the way he looks in a visor, and I like the way he looks in a Tampa Bay uniform uh, better than I do the Patriots. Uh, <laughs> it's but, just simply because he's not a Patriot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I, I think Tom Brady is one of those guys that can defy age, and I think he'll come out there, and I think he'll have a very good year. He's got a lot of weapons around him. He's got his, his, his safety net and Gronk back down there as well. I think that this could be a good year for them. I do think they'll be in the thick of the playoffs. Super Bowl MVP, though, is a little much when you've got the likes of Mahomes and Lamar and Russell Wilson and some of the other guys that are out there as well. Jobeth, can't thank you enough for stopping by and doing the show with us. we got to yes. do this again. This yeah. is a lot of fun. Absolutely. Uh I know everything has been crazy these last couple of days, uh, so the communication's been a little off with everything because, you know, I'm sure by the time we get off the show, there's going to be some other breaking news that's come out in the He's last He's probably got 10, 20 more minutes. calls at this point. I'm sure. If you want it, the, the Big 12 has actually said that they are having a season. Wow, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're, they're Big 12 at ACC that might leave. Big 12's about yeah. to be the Big 24. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Make sure you guys stay tuned for the after hours. There's a few questions that have come in. Uh, one of them actually specifically for you. All so right. I want to get into that. Uh, so make sure you guys tune in for the after hours portion of the show. Make sure you obviously check us out on our website, www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, check out all of our episodes. Get yourself some Birdland BS gear. Learn about each of us. Wherever you want to go on the page, go check it out. We're also with Big Play and Birdland Sports. Check them out on the website, bigplay.com, birdlandsports.com, and the Twitter pages for both of those. Obviously, all of our Twitter handles at BirdlandBS, at ScottBLBS, at FredBLBS, at RyanBSBert. Turf's Turf's BS Bert back there now. <laughs> Did you change it to Drunk Bert after last time yet? Uh, you should. <laughs> should. Make sure you guys follow, like, and subscribe on all those YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Facebook. Follow all of us. As always, the audio version of the podcast can be heard on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Go check us out. Leave us a review. It helps us get found on there. 
Thanks for tuning in as always. We'll see you guys next week, 745 Eastern Standard Time. We'll see you guys. See you.